Revelation chapter 21, starting at verse 9. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. And he also measured its wall, 144 cubits, by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth cornelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrys, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon or shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. But its light By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honour of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God 
will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Rachel, thanks so much for reading the passage for us. Well, the, the love of the city, uh, the world, and the love of comfort. It's very loud on the road there. <laughs> um, well, it's really the, the major obstacle, uh, the love of this world is the major obstacle for Christians to witness. And I'm sure what we've been experiencing so far in the book of Revelation is a very strong call for all of us, for Christians, to witness unto death. But the problem is that if you love the world, uh, you won't be willing to die. And so my sense is that many city workers, for the love of comfort, have wasted countless of gospel opportunities. Uh, it's easy for people who are just starting out in the workplace, junior workers, to want to stay silent, to stay safe, to be comfortable. But it's not only those who are new to the offices. Let me share with you a story. Uh, I went to Bath, a really, sorry, a, a small town of Bath to serve in a church mission um, uh, there. And the vicar's sons, uh, they were trying really hard to start a Christian union in their school. Uh, this church, I mean, the school they were in was a really hostile school and the Christian union had four people. There were two teenagers from the church which didn't join them in the Christian union. And they were asking the question, why? Why didn't these two join them? And I found out the reason why. Uh, on Sunday, I met uh, the father of the two teenagers. I think his name was Louis. Uh, he had a senior position in a bank uh, in BNP Paribas. And you would think that he would have multiple opportunities to be speaking the gospel to people in his office. But he shared with me that he never witnessed, never ever spoke about Jesus because he was afraid to lose his role. Uh, he was afraid of being called out by HR. You see, the love of this world, uh, the love of comfort, uh, it makes Christians timid. And so it's no surprise, a timid father, timid children. And as we come to the last passage of Revelation, I think the question that we are going to consider today is this, why is it worth fighting against the love of the city, the love of the world? Now, Revelation has been building up this question, and finally, at the very end, uh, we get this answer. 
If you're with us over the past couple of weeks, you will remember the big image in this section is the wedding, the bride. But the bride isn't the first woman that we have met in the book of Revelation. Do you remember the first? Uh, it's the woman in chapter 17, the whore, the prostitute, or Babylon, the secular world. And in chapter 17, when John, he looked at the woman from afar, she was attractive, alluring, seductive. But when you zoom in to look at the woman up close, she is really repulsive. From afar, she seems to offer satisfaction. But when you zoom in to her, the relationships that she offers is transactional. No commitment at all. And if you recall, the call in that chapter was to come out. Come out of her, my people. Come out. But the problem is, calling someone to come out is not enough. Here is a truism, and it's one for you to think about. The way to fight against a love for something, something bad, something addictive, or a vice is by directing that love to something better. You see, love must be fought by a greater love. A desire must be fought by a new desire. And it's not enough to say, stop loving this world. You need to add uh, to direct that love for a new world, something better. And so the question is, how do you fight against the love of the prostitute, the love of the world? Well, enter the bride. I look to verse 9 of our passage today. Then came one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Well, the passage that comes after, I think the best way to understand the flow of the passage is to think of Google Maps. Uh, when you scroll your mouse and you zoom in closer and closer, I think that's how the passage works. It starts with looking at the bright, the great city, the new Jerusalem from far away. But John, as he describes things, he zooms in. He goes closer and closer and finally to the center of the city. So why is it worth resisting the love of this world, the love of the city? Uh, for the last time in our series, we will put on heaven's glasses uh, to see the world from heaven's viewpoint and uh, to see the future of where this world is going. And when we put it on and we zoom in to see, we will see that the new world, new Jerusalem, is glorious. Look at verse 10 with me. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. He had a great high wall with 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels, and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. 
on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Well, from afar, as John describes the city coming down out of heaven, there are three aspects of the city that he sees. Uh, firstly, its beauty with its jewels. Secondly, its safety, the high wall and gates. And thirdly, the people who are there, the names that are inscribed. So the plan for the next bit is to take one aspect at each time and we'll zoom in to see a more detailed version of the new Jerusalem. Its beauty and its prosperity. A number of years ago I was traveling in Portugal and I remember visiting a number of the churches there and I think I was really struck by how lavish the churches in Portugal were. They were designed in the Baroque period and a lot of the church was laden with gold. And I was wondering, wow, where did all the gold come from? I remember reading an article saying that lots of the gold came from South America. Um, and the article suggested that it was built on the exploitation of these nations. Uh, is it true? Uh, perhaps it is. But the, it's certainly true for Babylon uh, in chapter 17. Babylon, if you recall, was laden with jewels. She was shiny, she was prosperous, but she was built on the exploitation of the nations. But not here. Verse 10. The holy city coming down out of heaven from God. The city is beautiful. It is given, not taken. And when you zoom in to see the jewels, what do you see? Look at verse 18. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel, and the gates were big pearls. Well, jewels may or may not be your thing, but here it's a metaphor for beauty, for abundant prosperity. It's more luxurious, more comfortable than, the, than this world, and it's all given. See, the, the prostitute, she was arrayed in jewels, but here the bride is described in verse 11 as the most rare jewel. And so it's all your creature comforts that you enjoy in this world, and more. Well, perhaps sometimes Christians, we can be overly down on being prosperous and that's understandable but occasionally the problem is that we end up still being rich but hiding it from others <coughs> you see that prosperity itself is a good thing um, the problem is the timing of prosperity see when jesus says do not store up treasures on earth but lay up treasures in heaven the point is the treasure itself is a good thing the issue is the timing. Earthly treasure is not good, but heavenly treasure is good. Uh, the new creation will be prosperous. And that also tells us, um, helps us to see some of the problems with the prosperity gospel. And there are many problems, but here are two. 
Uh, firstly, the prosperity gospel is not prosperous enough. It makes uh, people, encourages people to think that this world, the jewels of the prostitute, are the best there is. But they are wrong. Secondly, it gets the timing wrong. Now is not primarily for prosperity. Now is for witnessing unto death. But only in the New Jerusalem, uh, that is the time to be prosperous. It's all our creature comforts that you enjoy and more. Well, not only will the city be beautiful and prosperous, there will also be safety and protection. If you recall the prostitute, there was no security, a false sense of security. Uh, at the end of the story, the beast devoured her. Uh, think about the culture today, uh, the cancer culture uh, that it's very prevalent in our day. People, the virtue signal to stay safe, but that provides a false sense of security. Uh, you could either say the wrong thing, or what is right changes, and then you become vulnerable. But how about the bride? Look at verse 12. The bride, it had great high walls with 12 gates. Uh, it was protected with much protection. No more physical persecution for our brothers and sisters in North Korea or Iran. No more emotional persecution or the snipe remarks that we face. You see, it's impossible to legislate against all forms of racial online abuse today. Uh, that's a question that um, the government is thinking about now. How do you legislate against online racial abuse? You can't. Uh, but in the new city, verse 27, nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, we'll be safe in the new Jerusalem. Well, thirdly, there will be people. Uh, the nations will be there. Well, with Babylon, the nation's relationship uh, with Babylon was transactional. And as Babylon was being destroyed, they were standing far off and mourning their own loss. But in the new Jerusalem, People are permanent. Their names are inscribed onto the walls. They are a permanent fixture in the new Jerusalem. And as you zoom in to see, uh, look at verse 24. By its light, the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honour of the nations. See, the nations will come in. But what does this mean? Well, it means that our witnessing will be a success. You see, that colleague or that friend or that family member that you've been speaking to, they will be walking in. See, the whole book of Revelation has been encouraging us to join in the war for the worship of the nations. And at the end of the book, uh, we see that there will be success. Jesus will win, 
and the nations will be brought in. So why? Why is it worth fighting against the love of this world, the city? Because in one sense, it's very easy. Because the new city is a much better city. The bride is more desirable than the prostitute. It's glorious from afar, and as you zoom in, she is beautiful, she is flourishing, she is prosperous. She is safe, secure, protected, chaste, and pure. And people, the nations, will be brought in. And so the call to come out of Babylon, but come in to a better place, new Jerusalem. So love the better city, the more glorious city. Well, you might say there's already enough reason uh, for one to come out of Babylon and to come into the new Jerusalem. But we haven't even reached the, the highlight of the city, uh, what is in the middle of the new Jerusalem. Well, from afar, we've already got a sense. If you notice the measurements of the city, look down to verse 16. The city lies four square, its length is the same as its width, its length and its width and height are equal. Uh, the city is a cube. And some of you who are a bit more nerdy with the Old Testament, you would know that the Holy of Holies in the temple was also a cube. And we also find out in verse 22, there was no temple in the city. And so as we zoom in more and more into the center of the city, what do we see? Look down to chapter uh, 22, verse 1. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Well, as we zoom in, the first thing we see is the river uh, and the tree of life. The healing for the nations, those who have been trampled by the beast, crushed and ravaged. For all the years that we've spent in Babylon, all will be healed. And if you have read the first few chapters of the Bible, you know that in Genesis chapter 2, in the Garden of Eden, there was a river and a tree of life. But here, uh, there's a river and two trees, one on either side of the river, blossom with 12 kinds of fruit. And if the river and tree is there, that can only mean one thing. And as our eyes, we, we follow the river and we trace the river up to its source, what do we see? Look to verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. See, this is the center point of the New Jerusalem. 
This is right in the middle. This is the climax of Revelation. All that the whole book was pointing to. This is the climax of history. All that this world is pointing to. It is God. Up close and personal. Face to face. They will see His face. Intimate access. Physical proximity. We will see His face. Why? Why is it worth it? Why is it worth resisting the love of the city? Because we are going to see God's face. See, it's important to recognize that the new creation will be physical, a place where we can really enjoy its blessing. Like this world, but much better. But the best part of the new creation, the new Jerusalem, is God himself. Uh, We will see him face to face. Last year in September, we started our series in Genesis, and if you recall, we titled that series, Cast Out, because humanity has rejected God as king. We were cast out, out of his presence, away, never to come close. And so the big question of the Bible is, how do we get back into his presence? And throughout the Old Testament, no one was able to look at the face of God and live. Moses on Mount Sinai was not able to look at God's face. But here in the climax of Revelation, we will all see his face. Uh, The feeling will be a little bit like meeting uh, the person face to face for the first time after being on Zoom for the whole year. But this will be much better. We will finally see what God is really like. We will see his face. Uh, We will have close, intimate access with our Heavenly Father. As we speak, we will see him nod. Our faith will turn to sight. We will see God's face. Well, that is the end of Revelation, uh, the high point, the climax, where this whole world is heading to. Uh, As Christians, if we keep trusting in the blood of the Lamb, we have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. We will see God face to face. Uh, Here's my hope and prayer for all of you um, that um, the book of Revelation is put back into your hands. I want you not to be scared about reading this book. I want you to go back to read it, uh, to obey what's said, and be blessed by what this book has to say. Uh, So keep reading this book again over the years. Uh, If you're feeling discouraged, open the book of Revelations and read. Are you feeling scared? Open the book of Revelation and read for confidence. Uh, Remember the big lessons that John is telling us to be faithful, to persevere, to witness unto death, to come out of Babylon, and to come in to the new Jerusalem. Well, a few verses as we close our time. Verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me 
to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Verse 17. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of Lord, the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen.